Kevin Brittingham. This is the 14th uh, official Q podcast called the Q and Ask. Um, my guest today is uh, a guy that's become a buddy, Adam Shear. He plays the um, he plays the TV character Braun Strowman on WWE's Monday Night Raw. Uh, Adam, what is going on with you, man? You know, just hanging out down here in Orlando, Florida, trying not to melt because it's uh, hotter than <laughs> four hotels outside already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's, that, that's hard on you big fellas. Um, yeah, it's, well, uh, yeah, Mother Nature is not fair on me. Uh, she's a little sizeist, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get to Orlando? Ah, so yeah, I ended up in Orlando. Let's see, this is actually my second trip moving and living in Orlando. So the first time I moved to a little bit outside of Orlando, Kissimmee, right south of it, I moved to Orlando-ish area in 2012 when I was still competing in uh, World's Strongest Man competitions uh, to get ready for the 2012 World's Strongest Man. So I moved down here and lived with a buddy and trained at a gym to get ready for Worlds and stuff. And, uh, that was actually the year that WWE saw me when I was at World Strongest Man. We exchanged information and uh, yada, yada, yada. I did uh, the contest. I was a reserve that year at World Strongest Man and then um, went on. I wanted to do another. I had a tryout with WWE. Ended up negotiating some stuff that we wanted to work on, but I wanted to do one more contest. I wanted to compete in the Arnold Classic again. Um, I'd won the Arnold Amateur in 2012, and then which got me an opportunity to compete at the Arnold Classic Strongman Pro event in 2013. So I trained and trained and trained and trained and trained for that, and uh, yeah, it was my training was on point. It was I was the strongest I'd ever been in my entire life, doing things that I didn't think the human body was uh, capable of doing. I weighed 418 pounds at that contest, and uh, Jesus Christ, yeah. And uh, I guess the stars just didn't line up for what it was. I tore my bicep on the very first event and had to withdraw from the contest. So, yeah, it wasn't uh, exactly how I wanted to end my strongman career, but it was an ending to an awesome time in my life, and it uh, it started the current uh, career path that I'm on now, and I'm I'm very thankful for it. Well, man, that that's awesome. I tell you, you know, you and I talked before when we met. Um, you know, you grew up in North Carolina. I grew up in Georgia. Um, Georgia Championship Wrestling, the NWA, was a huge influence in my life. And you see with some of the products, like the Full and Half Nelson with my dad on the box, those silencers with on Ric Flair's body, my dad's head on Ric Flair's body, and then his head on Dusty Rhodes' body. Like, I loved wrestling as a kid, and I had stopped watching Really, when The Rock and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of left, and I don't know what error that's considered, but then when I met you, started watching again. That um, would have been that would have been the ending of what they called the Attitude Error. Well, that makes sense. Le- leading into the Ruthless Aggression Era of uh, when John Cena became the face that runs the place, which I think that's somebody else's catchphrase now. But yeah, anyways. So yeah, you 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 fell out at the end of the, the Attitude Era, which is about the same time I stopped watching it, which I'm not trying to age you, Kevin, but I was uh, like a sophomore <laughs> in high school. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, Adam. What, dude, but yeah, that, that, that's is- about the time I kind of grew out of it, per se, a little bit, too, because I was getting into playing sports and everything. And, yeah, the, the Attitude Era was definitely an awesome time for the business. Yeah, it, it was exciting. What – um, what – how long have you been this big? So, let's see. I graduated high school at 17 years old. I was 6'5 and 305 pounds when I graduated. So, I've been a, a larger chap my whole life, I guess. Uh, genetics yeah, are pretty good my family. My dad's 68 years old, and he's 6'6", and – he used to walk around about 330, but I got on him because he needed to lose some weight. And I think he's under 300 for the first time since the 70s. So, kudos oh, geez. to Bob for, for getting in shape and listening to me and looking out for your health. Yeah, he was having some blood pressure issues and things like that. And I just told him basically to clean your diet up. He was having a little bit of issues with diabetes creeping in and stuff. And I just helped him out with what to eat and stuff like that and got him to lose some body weight and 
man, it's amazing when you eat good food and stuff like that, how the body reacts and fights off diseases on its own, and you don't even have to take all these crazy medicines that uh, the pharmaceutical companies want you to take. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast recently and talking about how, like, all these, you know, mass shooters and stuff are on antidepressants and all this kind of crap. Exactly. Just, exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, that's a yeah, big one like, with Go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, you know, with diabetes, we had a guy here that was diagnosed. He's overweight. and um, you, you know, he, he was starting to show signs of diabetes, and they told him to clean his diet up and lose some weight. And same thing happened. You know, he drops 30 pounds. Everything is better. His blood work is better. He doesn't have to take medication. And um, so, yeah, I can't imagine people that big. It's amazing. You say your dad's 6'6". I saw a picture of you guys together. You're like you're two feet taller than him. How big are you now? I'm 6'8", so it just depends. He hunches a little bit in his older age and me hanging all over him and stuff like that. And I always <laughs> yeah. try to make stand up extra tall beside him, so I do look bigger. <laughs> so what are you like? You're 6'8", 385. What are you now? Right now, they announced me at 385. I've dropped a little bit of weight just because I was having some issues with my ankles and knees bothering me and stuff. Right now, I'm bouncing between 340 and 345 and 360, just depending on how much I've eaten that day and how hydrated I am and how many yeah. number twos I've taken, you know. So, yeah, my body weight fluctuates 20 pounds on a given, no problem. Wow. That's incredible. I know it, it, it's funny, and I know, like, you've been big your whole life, so you're probably sick of talking about it. But for, like, us average-sized people, like, I know when I met you, like, it's scary. You know, like, I'm friends. Like, well, Forrest Griffin, who was in the UFC, has been a friend of mine for a very long time, you know, and he's 6'3", 235. But when I go to pick him up at the airport, there can be a 1,000 people. He stands out as, like, a big man that could hurt you. As an athlete, like you, could, I can spot him in the crowd in in a thousand people, and it, it's so you know, for an average guy seeing someone your size, it, it, you know, like I'm not the smallest guy in the world, but shit, when I saw your arms, they're the size of my legs. And, uh, <laughs> it, it puts a lot of stuff in perspective when I see you with like Finn Balor on Monday Night Raw, who is a, an extremely fit individual. But he's yeah, relatively small. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, but, but then if you even you think about it in relatively small, it's just going to comparison to me because in in the real world standards, I mean, he's still above average. He's five foot eight or ten somewhere in there, and he's one hundred and ninety five pounds, and he's shredded. So I mean, there's even with that, there's yeah. still that's still not normal per se. So yeah, and that's I don't realize that I'm gigantic like I am like when I hang out with my buddies my best bud T-dubs and stuff like that he's a normal sized human being and I I feel like a normal person until like I look at pictures and then like laugh at myself because I make everyone look like children yeah yeah I mean you're right because you know Travis he's my size and then you know which is pretty normal and then next to you but it's funny because like you know, knowing you and then meeting Finn Balor and seeing, you know, he's smaller than me. And it's like, oh, my God, it would be like you and him in fighting would be like me beating up my daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, so so it was it's been cool to me to meet you to see you guys getting the guns and you being in Florida now getting into pig hunting. You came and built a fix and a honey badger. And um, so what? what's your background? You grew up in North Carolina? Yeah, I grew up in a little town of uh, Cheryl's Ford, North Carolina. We didn't even have a, a stoplight. We had a caution light. Now there's a stoplight there, but growing up, <laughs> there, was a, there was a caution light. And uh, it's still, uh, if you want anything to eat after 8 o'clock at night, it's a half-hour ride minimum to find somewhere that's open. It's still small-town USA. Like, I love it and miss it a lot, but at times it's, not not where I need to be in my time in life with my schedule of go, go, go and being on airplanes yeah, eight days a yeah. week and not on what's up, down, left, or right. I need convenience and stuff. So, yeah, it's nice. I'm tucked in a little bit on the outskirts of Orlando, uh, 
it's pretty quick access to get out to the Econ River chain and stuff to go do the pig hunt. It's a half-hour ride or get out to the Wakiva Springs and go out on the, the John boat and putt around and bow fish for tilapia and carp and things like that. So, I mean, it's a pretty cool. good area. I like it that it's a uh, quick access. And then, yeah, my, I got the, my good buddy Travis T-Dubs and stuff that is uh, fourth-generation Floridian, which I didn't think existed because uh, I think he's the first person I've met in Florida that's actually from Florida. So the last thing I heard was um, the bucks that he's gotten. And I was surprised, too, by some of the pictures he sent me. Because, yeah, yeah, Florida yeah that's not the, the bucks. Yeah, because I've hunted in South Carolina and North Carolina, and I've seen a couple decent deer in North Carolina, and then they start to get smaller in South Carolina. And yeah, I guess I guess the biggest thing is that I'm spoiled. Like, because I hunt in Wisconsin and stuff like that. I hunt up there every Thanksgiving with my family because my sister and I are the only ones born out of the state of Wisconsin in my family. We were born in North Carolina. So I go up there every Thanksgiving and hunt, and, yeah, I'm, I see deer that field-dressed weigh 280 pounds and stuff like that. So, Oh, my and, God. Yeah, oh, yeah that just, makes me just, so happy. So, but then, yeah. yeah, but then, with the, the bucks like Travis has shot, I mean, yeah, they're not super huge body, but a couple of them that he's killed have been, yeah, 180-pound deer to 200-pound deer, even in Florida, and have scored 140-plus and stuff like that. So there's some – Yeah, that's that, – Yeah, that's unbelievable. People that don't know, like Whitetail, because even my, my ranch in Georgia – uh, North Georgia, we don't have big deer, so I've taken a decade trying to grow them, and now we're finally killing 140, 150-inch deer. But in Florida, oh, my Lord, I didn't know there were deer that big. And he sent yeah, me pictures. Um, yeah. The, cra- the crazy thing is he hunts all public. Everywhere right. he hunts is public land, and he puts in his puts his bids in to get tags. Cause he was he, Literally yesterday I was talking to him, he was all excited because he – he landed a, I think a Seminole County rifle and a Seminole County muzzleloader tag for some, uh, public wildlife area that only a handful of people get like a lottery bid to get licensed to yeah. go out there. So he was all excited. So he, he knows something. He's got something up his sleeve always. That's what he said. Yeah. He knows where everything's <laughs> hot <out> here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, your, um, so your dad, you guys moved to North Carolina. That's where you guys were born. Your dad, that was interesting. I read your dad was one of the best professional softball players ever is in the Hall of Fame or something. I mean, I know he's a big dude. Yeah, he's in three or four Hall of Fames. He held, I think he still holds quite a few records. I think he, like, most home runs in a season. I know in 19, I think 83, the year I was born, uh, he played 192 softball games and he hit 491 home runs in 192 games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, genetics. How about that? His, uh, in U-Triple-S-A softball play, they said he averaged a home run every 2.7 at bats. That's incredible. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, my dad's nickname is Rick the Crusher Share. So it's pretty fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can can he whip you now? Uh, yeah, because I still the respect for that man. I would just take it and say thank you, man. I have another. Uh, growing up, he he was he's my hero. I don't know how else to put it. Uh, he's the man that I've looked up to my whole life and uh, aspired to be, and just to be half of what he's been able to do and stuff. So yeah, it's uh very. I've been very blessed. I unbelievable family my father my mother and stuff and and the things that they went through when i was one year old uh we were on our way home from a ball tournament and a tractor truck tra- uh, transfer truck driver fell asleep and crossed the median on the interstate and ran my parents and myself off the interstate in their van off into a ravine down in a hit a creek bank uh, like nose first and a trophy flew out of the back of the van from the softball tournament that weekend, hit my mom in the back of the head and uh, put her in a coma for three months. Oh my so, God! Yeah, when she came to, she had to. She was basically a newborn baby. They had to teach her how to do everything all over again and stuff. So, yeah, uh, we had a lot of rough times up with mom. She's yeah, being disabled stuff, but you know, she's such a stubborn woman and just big-hearted that she never let it get her down, and she always did everything possibly could to get me and my sister to the, the best life that we could. So, yeah, 
very, very blessed to have such an amazing family and support system behind me to, to go along with all the craziness that I that I do day to day. Oh yeah, man, that that's tough. What um yeah you know, I can't imagine when I see on T V every week you guys are in another city, how yeah, the support you gotta have. Like how many days a year do you travel or how many days a year are you home or I've been how's that in, work? I, so we've been was coming off of WrestleMania, and we did a tour in South Africa. Then we did the big uh, Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia. Then we had a tur- tour in Europe that was two weeks long. I've spent 13 days in my house since April 1st. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So we're pretty busy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a, a Marriott Rewards member, and uh, I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever but uh a lot of times i check into the marriott's uh they say uh oh, mr share thank you for being platinum and living with us <laughs> <laughs> that's what like oh, uh, I, remember, yeah, I knew i know that you're a huge huge fan of arn anderson and stuff like that and uh arn's oh, yeah. a huge role model to me and a man that i look to a lot at work because he's still behind the scenes and stuff with WWE and uh, talking about the Marriott thing, I was sitting down talking to him one day, and uh, he has been a Marriott Rewards member since 1983, he was telling me, and since 1983, he spent seven and a half years of his life in a Marriott hotel. Oh, my God. I, I know. It, it, yeah, it was that, funny. I showed you the grind of, of this. Yeah, you know, all the guys ending up with, Freaking alcoholism and drug problems back in the day because of the travel and the pain and people saying, you know, wrestling's fake, which is funny to me. Um, you know, the idea of fake and seeing, you know, particularly someone your size either hitting the floor or throwing guys, you know, fucking 30 feet in the air. Um, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna develop a lot of injuries and you guys never stop working like, with traditional sports or something where there are seasons, you're on the road. I guess, do you ever get a break? Because to me, I just think hunting season. Like, I wouldn't want to be a pro wrestler because hunting season, you know, like I'm on the road every week. Um, yeah, it, 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 gets, it gets a little homesick, I would probably be the word to use. You just get to missing the, yeah. the, the everyday ins and outs of life that for yeah. you know, 20, 20 years yeah. I was accustomed doing things every day and then yeah and then then all of a sudden it's completely different but you know i've I've really really grown to love the process of all this and uh, the behind the scenes and everything that it really takes because it it really makes me appreciate it even more because like i'm one of those guys like i don't want anything in life to be easy because when stuff's easy and people hand you things a lot of times you take it for granted because that's well yeah and everybody would do it you wouldn't yeah, be special if it were exactly. easy. Yeah. I, I had a tough, tough love growing up. Uh, the biggest thing, and that's what, one of the things like, I take back and remember the most, is like you can have anything you want in life, but you're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to work your ass off for it, and you're going to get it. That's what my dad said. If you really want something bad enough, you'll make it happen. It's like uh, what's the old the old, the, the old poem or whatever talking about the old the man in the seas, like, you, until you're drowning and you realize how bad you want that breath of air, you have to make your goals in life like air. You have to realize, like, I, this is the only way that I can live is to get that gasp of air or I'm going to drown. So, yeah, that's that's been my whole look of anything, like, with everything. The straw man, I'm, I came up from nothing and made a name for myself and that, like, literally watching YouTube videos of the best, the best guys in the world and mimicking what they were doing and – I worked at a garage for 11 years, and while I was doing the straw man, I used to go out back after work with a welder and scrap metal that we had laying around, and I would make as close to the I could looking the apparatuses that I had to use in the contest and stuff like that. So that's the biggest thing, and, and all that the whole process of all the, of the, the what it, what it goes into being a WWE superstar. Like even my close friends and family, like just until now don't realize how much of a commitment this really is and a life it's not a job it's a lifestyle you have to be willing 
to live like this because it's a sacrifice. I've sacrificed having a normal job, losing friends and loved ones to pursue this dream because it's amazing. It's given me an opportunity to do things for my family that I would have never been able to do. It's given me opportunities to voice myself and my opinions on life and trying to help other people around the entire world. It's given me an opportunity to meet great human beings, become friends with them like yourself. So the whole process of everything, I really enjoy it. As hard as it gets at times, it's so rewarding to have a mother tweet out to me, thank you so much for high-fiving my son at the show on the way out. It means so much to him. He idolizes you. He talks about you all the time, and he's going to remember it for the rest of his life. That's that's what it's about. Like, if everyone in life would just take a step back and realize how influential and what little things they can do for other people, that makes everything in this world work so much better. And People are so losing sight of that, and I hate it, and I blame it on social media. Social media is a platform for people to look at and go, oh, why don't I have that? Why isn't my life like that? I should be able to have that. I should do that. And it's sickening instead of people going, you know, oh, fuck, oh, Susie's going to do this. Man, I'd really like to do that. What can I do to better myself to achieve this goal instead of going, what can someone do for me to achieve this goal? Yeah, well, I mean that's deep. That you know it's it's cool when you. Yeah, think sorry that. if I got too deep. <laughs> no, that, 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 I'm I'm really really big on that about how social media well, is such an amazing platform for reaching out and uh, touching people's lives, but people use it for such an awful tool. Yeah, I mean I, I will say we I meet you know a lot of people through this company so far, um, you know like celebrity uh, whatever. But, you know, your attitude is really infectious and it's genuine. And, you know, and the way you've been with my kids and my family. And I tell you the other day, like, I FaceTimed you when I was at my daughter's birthday. Like, you know, I I could have done it probably with Donald Trump Jr. or any other number of people. To her, you know, to, like, FaceTime you, you tell her happy birthday in front of her friends. And they can tell, like, it's genuine, like, you love kids, like, you're a good dude. It wasn't contrived. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think you were sitting at a red light in your car. Anyway. But, um, yeah, it's so cool and to, to see you, you know, when we saw you a wrestling match and, you know, the way you are with kids and just the performance and understanding, you know, when you introduced yourself to me, it was, you know, um, Adam, you know, I play a character on TV. Um, you know, just your whole attitude to that. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's easy to tell. I would say, for instance, living in New England now, that it's easy to tell you're born in the South. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just a, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a wonderful way to be. You know, I view it here, even with our little company, it's so funny now that, like, for instance, you came and built a rifle, and I always put it on social media, and we let people come and build guns, and people will say, well, how much would that cost me not being a celebrity? And it's like, well, yeah. He's on TV. He got to come build his gun. But you build it. If you purchase the gun from us and it's on back order, you can come and build it. It doesn't cost you any more money. And, you know, that's what I find it so satisfying for us internally with this company. We've got a lot of good people. Yeah, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to be a decent person and to make someone's life better. Exactly. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It really doesn't, like. Uh, yeah. it, it enriches your life and it doesn't cost you anything. It, yeah. yeah, it enriches your life. Doesn't someone, cost, yeah, yeah it's it literally how far like a compliment goes. Like so you like you think about it like a woman spends all day long getting ready to go out, does her hair and this and that, and just a kind, strange act of, of kindness, of gesture going, Wow, your hair looks really nice today. Like that goes so far and people are losing such sight of that, of how much just like little things mean to people because at the end of the day everyone wants to be noticed every, every yeah. human being everyone wants to be noticed and that's what and that's what's so sad with all this crazy stuff that's going on in the country and that what I wholeheartedly believe is it's all a cry out for attention is is what it is because what happens as soon as someone does these awful things 
the media, the news, the internet, they go crazy talking about them. Then all of a sudden, they're relevant in this world where they thought that they don't mean anything. And it's giving yeah. the the cry out for attention. It's the only way they, they know how to. Yeah, get don't, don't give these. I mean, I think it's becoming pretty obvious. Don't give these people doing, you know, th- these very negative, um, you know, just committing these tragedies and hurting other people. Don't give them recognition on television by posting their pictures and talking about it. Um, you know, yeah, let's focus on some positive things. I mean, I, you know, that reminds me, like, the, the the nicest thing you've done for me, and um, you, when you took me to the wrestling event in Boston, brought me backstage, like, it was, you you went out of your way to be kind to me and my children, which was, you know, I'm incredibly grateful, forever de- indebted for. But, you know, meeting, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar, like, that's super awesome. Like, he's so cool. I respect him. You know, he seems to not particularly like people a ton, but, you know, what he's done in the WWE and then in UFC, which I've always watched mixed martial arts and participated in, and I love, that was so cool meeting him. But when I told you, you know, my like, one of my childhood heroes, my favorite wrestler who scared the shit out of me was Arn Anderson of the Four Horsemen. So it was Mm -hmm. me and Ric Flair and uh, Telly Blanchard and Ole Anderson. And you told me, hey, he works behind the scenes here. And I got to meet him. But I tell you, I was so starstruck, and he just looks like this old man now, you know. But I'm like, oh, my God, you were so awesome when I was a kid. And, like, you made me believe, like, I was terrified of you as a child. Like, you were so unbelievably good at your job with professional oh, wrestling. What, what, one of the the best heels to ever to ever step foot in the ring. Unbelievable. Oh, such a stud. But for me, you know, like that meant so much to me that you would go out of your way and have them go out of their way to meet me. Like, what could they give a shit about? But, um, you know, God, it meant a ton to me. And I tell you, I will always feel indebted to you for that because there's so many people. You know, I, I've gotten to meet a lot of uh, neat people over the years and hang out with them and do stuff. But when, you know, there are very few people who are your heroes at a time that's so impactful in your life, you know, which I think like the pubescent years, you know, when when Arn Anderson scared the shit out of me and when he was popular, I was 12 years old. You know, I was very impressionable. And uh, he did such a good job. And um, so that was so cool for me to meet him. I would have rather met him than anybody else. Like that, yeah. that was wonderful for me. And, you know, like you didn't have to do that. That was cool. Yeah, yeah but everybody I, but I didn't have to do that, but I wanted to do that. One, just because, like, that's the cool thing that I love so much about this job is the, the fact that we are, as WWE superstars, able to give back to our fans so much. And, yes, don't get me wrong, I'm grouchy, and fans catch me at the airport, and I'm an asshole, and I apologize, but it's just I can't make everyone in this world happy. I really try my best to go out of my way to show my fans how much I appreciate them and thank them so much because it's true. Without my fans, I would be nothing. And oh, yeah. Just, have no that, job. Yeah. That's the awesome thing about WWE is that we do so much for our fans and for communities and things like that to give back. And with all the be a star things to help against bullying and the make a wishes and just, it's, it really isn't a, it's, I'm living a dream. I am a redneck with the coolest damn job in the world. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool that you have that attitude and it's so genuine and people that don't know you. I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it is. Um, and it is so great you're in a position to make an impact on people. And, you know, it's different. You know, for me, I get to be an asshole whenever I want because, you know, my product is not me. My product, you know, is what we produce and sell. Your product is you, you know, and, and you guys get the money by ticket sales and commercials. Um, You know, to me, nobody has to like me. Like, I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be this persona 24 hours a day that, like you have to be, so I can't imagine that. Like enough people recognize me, especially like where we live. When we go, when I go out to eat with my kids, like uh, last week I'm at Marshalls. You know, I took my girls. They were looking for, I don't even know, who knows. I have two, you know, eleven, thirteen year old daughters, and they wanted something. Asked me to take them at Marshalls. 
and like a kid recognized me in there from social media who grew up playing Call of Duty, loved the honey badger, follows us, and then to him, I'm like the coolest guy in the world because he loves guns right now. You know, well, and I'm it's that, like eight o'clock at night. Yeah, so the the, say, the kid yeah, I'm. I would say the same thing, not to fanboy, but it was honestly the same thing with me getting to meet you because I was so over the moon, like, your products are <laughs> phenomenal. And, yeah, and that's what was just a shot in the dark because I'd been literally trying to find a fixed rifle for since they came out and with no luck, and that's why I was just like, I'm just going to take a shot in the dark because I'm not one to slip up into people's DMs, per se, and this and that because it's just, I don't know, but I was just, yeah, I took a shot in the dark and then, to, to be able to kindle a friendship like we've been able to do, it's just it's icing on the cake because that's what I said. I looked at you, I don't know if per se the way you would look at me or however, but looking at you, I was like, this is Kevin Brigham. He designed the Honey Badger and the Fix. This is like stuff that I care about in my life and that I'm passionate about, and to be able to meet you was the same feeling. Oh, man. Well, well thank you. And it's, it's so strange to hear because, you know, like, in reality, day-to-day stuff here, I kind of feel like a peon. Like, my job is to put the team together. But, you know, well, for me, it was like, well, I haven't watched WWE in a while. But, you know, I get messages like yours probably once a week, a couple times a month at least from mm-hmm. people. But but the way you presented yourself was, hi, you know, here's my name. Here's a character I play on TV. I'm really into hunting and shooting. I've been trying to find one of your rifles. It wasn't a, hey, I've got a, a million followers. Give me a gun and I'll hook you up. It was, can you just please point me to the direction where I can buy one? Everywhere is out of stock. And I'm like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is. So, <laughs> but, you know, your your message was so kind and nice and you weren't, like, asking for anything. Um you know, like I looked you up and then like, uh, I, I don't know, probably Googled YouTube you or something. I was like, oh, God, like he's actually a big star. And it's like, oh, I love wrestling. I wonder if my kids would like wrestling. We never watched, like my kids have never watched wrestling. And when I told them you were coming up, we on DV, we DVR, you know, watched some uh, Monday Night Raw. And my girl, I, I thought my son might like it. My girls would hate it. My girls fell in love with WWE, and we have to watch every Monday Night Raw now. And if we're out of town or something on Monday or they have to go to bed early for school, then we watch it Tuesday when they come home from school. And that that's, that's awesome. Like, hearing that to me, like, makes me so happy. One, because, like, that's my job is to get people hooked and, and tune in every week to see what's going to happen next. Then to be able to kindle a friendship and know that, like, I'm – like my life and what I do is something that you get to enjoy with your family and things like that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And you know, and the fact that, you know, you're just a redneck like me, it's like, we've been fortunate. There's been good timing, luck and a lot of hard work and, you know, some good decisions made along the way. Um, well, Hey, hey you're bad. <laughs> what, what's that? I said, and a few bad, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I make so many bad decisions. It's it's incredible. But, you know, like anything else, you swing. You know, it's funny. I said this the other day when um, Ethan here brought up, like, a couple bad decisions I made. And it's like, you know, Brett Favre, like, Hall of Fame quarterback, incredible quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, won Super Bowl. But, you know, he threw more interceptions than anyone. But it's because he threw the ball more than anybody else. And he was willing to take risks, like, my man wasn't the most talented. He wanted to win. And, you know, you swing the bat enough, you're going to strike out. But you're also yep. going to hit some home runs. And yep. that's, that's kind of where I lie. And I don't, you know, I don't mind being criticized for the bad decisions. And, you know, my personal life, I hate it because it can hurt my family or people I love. But professionally, so what? Man, I feel just like you do. I feel like Hugh Hefner. Like, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. So, like, I screw up some big deal. Like, I'm gonna, I'm a competitor. I'm gonna win. I'm gonna come back, make it right. We're gonna make more good decisions than bad. Or the bigger decisions are gonna be, you know, good decisions as opposed to bad. But yeah, I don't, I don't worry about that stuff. Like, you know, when you're trying to do something new or innovative or change an industry or the world or 
whatever. Like, you're just going to, you know, you have to push limits. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to tear biceps. It's part of it. Yeah. And, uh, the, and, the, well, and the community is going to scrutinize you the whole whole time until you show them that you just made the best thing since sliced bread, and then they all change, and they're on your jock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't – you know, I tell you, it's so funny because I, I get some criticism. Most of it's warranted in, with, in what I do. But, you know, we get some that's not. And I have some basic rules here, like, you know, the girls that take care of a lot of the administrative stuff here. You know, you can call and check on your orders and stuff like that. But you start cursing someone here or being a complete jerk on our social media and being inappropriate. And this is like probably a character flaw of mine, but I get no greater joy than firing those people as customers, refunding their money and blocking them out of us and they can never order from us again. Yeah. I don't, I don't, like we're, we're back ordered. We've done a couple things right. I Everybody that doesn't get their gun the second they pay for it, if they have to wait a week, a month, three months, I do not like that. That hurts me. Um, yeah. But yeah, when, when someone is a is a total asshole, yeah, that makes it really easy. And I, and I love and I love firing them, refunding their money, like whatever. Um, and when did you get did does your dad hunt and fish? He gets you into that. When did you start doing this stuff? So fishing, yes, I got into fishing when I was a kid. Cause my I grew up on Lake Norman. Uh, my mom and dad still live on Lake Norman, so I had a dock, and dad taught me how to fish and stuff as a kid, and. uh Never really hunted young. My dad was really, really busy always playing ball and stuff like that, and he kind of grew out of hunting. He hadn't hunted since he was still in Wisconsin with his brothers and stuff. And uh I remember I wanted a gun. I wanted a gun and stuff like that. I had BB guns and everything. And my 10th birthday, my dad bought me a New England Firearms uh <laughs> breakdown barrel single-shot 12-gauge was the first gun that I ever got. And I remember going out and shooting it for the first time when I was going, like, terrified because it kicked so hard. Yeah, 12-gate when you're 10. But, of course, you were probably six foot tall when you were 10. Yeah, at 10, I was still a little bit bigger. But it was still, like, it, it, it made me – it scared me. So it took me a little while. I remember shooting it the first time, and then I didn't want to shoot it anymore because it scared me. But then just, like, Dad talking to me and this and that, and then we would go out and – uh we would shoot trap with it and skeet and uh, things, and then he took me squirrel hunting a couple times, and then, uh, yeah, we did. I didn't start whitetail hunting until I was in high school, uh, like a freshman sophomore in high school, and uh, just got to meet friends and things like that. And I ended up hunting with the first time I went hunting on the property was with um, a buddy of mine, Chris Harvey, who played minor league baseball. His dad is Brian Harvey, who was the relief pitcher for the Angels for a long time, whose father was Stan Harvey, who played softball with my dad. So it was oh, okay. cool how it all kind of came together, but we all got together and went out there hunting. The first time I ever went hunting, I was deer hunting. I was 15 years old because I took all the hunter safety courses and did all that. And uh, we had an FFA class in the high school that I went to. That's pretty much what the high school was built around was the FFA. So um, with that being, yeah, did all that and got to go out and uh, I actually I didn't I didn't kill anything my first year I killed some I killed a four point buck the, my second season of deer hunting and then a couple little I've never killed a big buck and uh, I've always wanted to I've I've shot beautiful deer and harvested amazing does for meat and things like that but I the 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 big wall hangers eluded me still so I'm hoping to one of these days get one and I I'm wanting to take some trips and go hunting, but I'm not one of those guys that's gonna pay twenty thousand dollars to go shoot a pet in a high fence property. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Well, we should hunt some this fall then. Um well, are yep. you bow hunting pet or just gun hunting? What are you doing? Alright, so yeah, I started gun hunting and then I, I used to I shot on the rifle shotgun and archery team in high school so it was big i was really really good with a bow i still not too bad when i actually get out to shoot and stuff i uh i shoot a recurve now because i like doing the bow fishing and stuff like that that's really fun uh travis got me uh 
a recurve through tribe archery, which is really neat. It comes apart into three pieces and will actually, like, fit in my luggage bag because I would travel it here and there, which I ought to start doing more and just throw one of those little target balls in my bag and have some time to kill when I'm sitting around doing nothing. That's actually a really good idea I just thought of. <laughs> but, yeah, so the, the – I was going to say, I see Joe Rogan, you know, Joe Rogan is super into bow hunting now, but compound bow primarily, and he does the same thing, travels with his and stuff, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gotten, I've gotten to be really, really good friends with Travis Brown, the MMA fighter, who's married to Ronda Rousey, and same thing, he, he travels around with a bow, and, uh, since Ronda's with us now here at WWE, they've been, because our tra- That's been really cool to kindle friendship with both of them because we get out and go shoot bows and go and eat and hang out and this and that. And we're all trying to plan a, a hunting trip this fall together with them as well. Travis is wanting to take me to Hawaii and do some bow hunting in Hawaii. Yeah, I was going to say, isn't he Hawaiian? Um, you, you know, Ethan and I are going to Hawaii because uh, we just realized because our women want to go. Um, and, you know, like I never really had any interest in going to Hawaii, honestly. But you can hunt um, uh, what kind of axis deer in Hawaii, which yeah. I want to go do. So I want to go do that as well. Well, well, maybe we'll have to just get all the stars to line up. We'll just all go do it because I don't think uh, anything sucks in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's like, okay. But, it, you know, to me, I'm like, it's halfway to Australia and New Zealand. We might as well go there. Well, why don't we just stop there and get access and then go to New Zealand and get a stag? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, I, I, yeah. I just talked to Boston to give me some time off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Well, how did you how did you originally uh, hear about the fix and all? Was it social media? What's yeah, the, so what's it, it was a lot through social media and just keeping up with I, I've slowly over the years gotten more and more interested in the firearms community and, uh, it's become a real, real passion for me and stuff in life because with being a celebrity, I hate saying that, but, uh, it's given me a platform to voice and I'm going to try and use that to my fullest to help promote the Second Amendment and how much fun it is to get out in the outdoors and do things firearms-related, bow and hunting-related, and bring some positive, influential awareness to the industry because I feel like that's what's lacking the most and with everything that's going on is people are misinformed. People yeah, are well, I think you're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. And, you know, the Second Amendment's one thing, and then hunting and all is another thing. And to me, I tell you um, – I started hunting about 10 years ago, and it's been so therapeutic for me, and I've heard other people hunting say it, like getting out in the outdoors and doing those sorts of things. And, you know, and then just the idea of everybody being so green and being vegan and worrying about organic shit and all now. Like, you know, for me at my ranch, um, you know, we're trying to grow big deer, and it's all free range. But, like, that's the most organic thing we can have. You can't um, you Put, put any protein source better in your body. There is nothing yeah. better than that. I mean, I because mean, we feed them protein and minerals, and we feed them some carbs in the winter. But, you know, they're not getting steroid. They're not getting any of this other stuff where animals at these, you know, at uh, these facilities where they breed animals and raise them and fatten them up just for processing. Yeah. Um, and, that's- you know, and, and I'm not super into that, but I, I, I do like the concept of it. And, you know, and I feed my family every year doing it. Yeah. And that, but the thing is, too, people are always like, oh, hunting is so inhumane. If people only realized what the animals go through that go through these huge processing production plants, the cows, the pigs, the chickens, they want to talk about inhumane when you're going uh. out and you're educated shot on an animal that takes its life instantly. And then. Oh, uh, yeah. Your family versus these things that are raised in captivity and beaten and oh, all these processing places. It's so gross. Like if people, it's, it's all I've watched like those slaughterhouses. Oh yeah, you would wait two, two. 
you, you, you would weigh 215 pounds. Uh, you, you, I mean, oh my God, if you, if you had to watch these slaughterhouse videos and eat that meat stuff, oh God, I, I've, I've, I've watched them and it's, it's, it's appalling. It really is appalling that our government allows, uh, provider, not providers or companies to sell this stuff to us. How processed it is and the foods that are so bacteria enriched that they have to be washed with ammonia that re-dyed and re-flavored and it's just like, how do you get away with that? And you're going to say like, oh, it's inhumane and bad to go out and hunt for your own food that's natural, free range. You know what it's eating. You know where it's come from. Yeah, and and, and, and and also herds that have to be managed. You, yeah. you know, like it has to be managed, and people don't realize that either. But we're well, probably well, preaching choir with this one, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Too, that's another thing that people don't realize. One, the herds have to be managed. Two, where do people think all the funds come from to help with World Wildlife Federation to keep these natural parks and reserves going? All that comes from the money that hunters pay in buying hunting licenses. That keeps yeah. every going that pays park rangers that keeps the roads well, going the koya national I, forest that keeps everything yeah. going like it's such a huge system that they all lean on each other if you pull out that the whole thing crumbles well i tell you it reminds me of the whole just anti-gun argument like when you make laws because some criminal shoots up a school well the only people that are going to follow your laws are criminals that or uh i'm sorry uh you know, the only people that are going to follow the laws are, are honest people who would never do that anyway. Criminals aren't going to follow your laws. It's the same thing yeah. with hunting. You know, like buying the licenses, all this. It's like people that are criminals and aren't going to buy licenses that are going to shoot, you know, animals out of season and stuff like that. You know, you can't make laws to regulate that. No, but they're, yeah, they're all, all, regardless. Yeah. Um. Well, that's cool. It was funny to me seeing you hold the fix for the first time. Um, <laughs> you, you, you make it look like a little miniature 22. The gun's small and lightweight already. Uh, but yeah, I think that and the honey badger are going to be some good hunting guns for you, especially you yeah, know, the honey badger would hit. I'm really looking forward to getting out and, and doing some thermal stuff. Uh, I picked up that clear scanner like you had suggested and was awesome. And then, yeah, just trying to figure out which one to put on that uh, the 300 blackout honey badger that you sent and get out there and, yeah, can't see what yeah. put some pork in the freezer. Oh, man. The, the uh, dude, the thermal is so great for pig hunting. Like, you can see everything. Nothing can hide from you. It makes it so much easier. Um, well, man, that's cool. Well, you're, you're, I think we're sending you some silencers. I'm pretty excited about that. I don't think you have any now, do you? I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, I, Travis has a couple, and uh, Clark, the, my buddy that owns the gun shop, uh, will bring some out and let us shoot when we go out pig hunting and stuff. But I don't personally own one of my own yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's changing. But, I mean, you've got to shoot with some before, though? Yes, yes, yes. I've shot with them before, uh not a whole yeah. lot. I had a whole lot of experience with them. Just literally in the last six months, actually, have really been around suppressors and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to that. And yeah, one, I have sensitive hearing, so that's going to help me out a lot too with uh, not having to wear plugs and muffs and everything over top of them and still cringing because the gun's going off. Oh, yeah. You, you know, I think the sound hurts marksmanship more than the recoil, and especially someone. Your size, the recoil is not going to matter as quite no, as been, much. Cool, don't bother but, me a bit. If, uh, yeah, it's uh, anticipating the boom, knowing that it's going to ring my ears. Oh, it's terrible. But, you know, and then, too, like all of you hunting together out in the swamps and stuff there, um, being able to communicate is so great without having to wear earmuffs and worry about the shooting. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. So I'm hoping that helps you and enriches the experience a lot. Because I tell you, I love hunting. And one of my favorite things about hunting is, you know, it's an isolated time, whether it's, you know, me and Ethan or my buddy Ben or, you know, friends of mine that 
that we hunt together. It's just time we get to spend together, fellowship and stuff like that, or time with my children. Um, you know, where, where we get to experience these things together, which are great. Um, but it enriches the experience so much when you have the silencers. No one has to wear ear protection. And, you know, my kids aren't afraid of the boom, and they can make good shots. Like, all of my kids have killed deer over 100 yards. You know, my sh- my son shot deer at over 400 yards. Um, awesome. You know, when he was, yeah, when he was 11 years old. Um you know, my I daughter. Just, I just learned how to shoot over 400 yards. I'm 34. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter, who is 11, so when she was eight, she shot a 170 inch deer at 150 yards with a 300 blackout with a wow. seven inch deer. So, you know, it's, you can do it. But I tell you, if I didn't have silencers, none of my kids would hunt. None of them would shoot, probably. My son, he's been shooting 1,000 yards since he was nine years old. And he's so, he's got a lot of sensory issues. And he would never shoot a loud gun. There's no way in the world I'd be able to convince him to do it. So his marksmanship is great because he's never heard the boom of a gun. You know, he's yeah. never shot one without a silencer. So he doesn't even understand it. But with the silencer, his marksmanship's been really great. So, um, you know, it's been something wonderful for me with my family. That that's so awesome because that's another yeah that's a big thing too with like a lot of people are just I feel like are scared of the noise that the gun makes they think that that's the most dangerous part of the gun is the noise. It's the scariest part, at least to me. I I, I believe that a hundred percent. Um. Yeah. So. Um. Okay. Well. Uh. So. You and uh, T-Dubs have started something called Monster Arms, and I guess that's an ode to you somehow, but um, what's that all about? What are you hoping that becomes? Um, I guess you alluded to, you know, your support for the Second Amendment, and I guess this is a platform for that, but what's that all about? So uh, Monster Arms, yeah, I mean, that has a lot to do with me being a monster and this and that, and just something rang about it to me. But basically about – March is when we really started to get the ball rolling on this with it's it's basically a lifestyle uh, brand and what I'm wanting to do is make informational videos of doing product reviews per se of just like a generic thing but also like with my buddy Travis who T-dubs so we've been talking about he's got an 11 year old daughter who is very active in the firearms community and likes shooting and stuff like that and we're going to start doing informational videos to teach firearm safety and etiquette and how to ha- properly handle and, and use a firearm as, per se for a father to show his children. So say like with everything with how media is nowadays, and people are so swayed left or right with whatever the media is saying. And let's take it this way. Like you've got a 10-year-old daughter who's like, ah, I don't know, Dad, like, my Susie and all them say guns are bad and, and this and that, da, 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 where you can come to us, to Monster Arms, and, and look at T-Dubs and his little girl and go, well, look, sweetheart, look how much fun this father and daughter are having going out to the range together. Look how safe they are. Look at the smiles on their face because I don't care who you are. Whether some form of you shoot something the first time you shoot paper or the first time you ring a gong at 600 yards, it puts a smile on your face. There's, it's rewarding to pull the trigger and know that you accurately and educatedly made that shot. It's rewarding. So that's what we're wanting to do is within today's age of everyone being so – anyone that has any kind of a opinion or – not opinion, uh, voice in life, all they want to do is voice their opinion on what the majority is talking about to make themselves look better. They jump on the train of whatever is the trending topic of the day on social media, and they kick the horse to death. And then when that's done being kicked, they move on to the next horse, and they start kicking that. I think that's bullshit. Like, all they're doing is trying to look out for themselves and be trendy of what's going on. They're not genuine people. They don't care. They're only voicing this because it makes themselves look better, and then they laugh behind your back. While they go, ha, 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 look at that, I pulled the wool over their eyes. They think I like this, but I just got more money on them. I'm not like that. Like, yeah, money and fame and all that stuff's cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's awesome. It's nice. It's made my life easy. 
but I'm a genuine person. Like, I really enjoy firearms, long-range shooting, short-range shooting, tactical training, you name it, anything involved with it. I enjoy it because it gives me an opportunity to be outside. I don't know how much I tell, like, like the, what's the hashtag, log out and go outside or whatever. So many people are so just buried in their phones all the time, buried on their Kindles and this and that, and they've forgotten what it is to go out and enjoy an afternoon with your family. And it, and, and that's not even per se in shooting. That's just in anything. You look at dinner when you go out to eat at a family of five. Four of them are on their cell phones and one person's doing this and that. And it's just like, come on. So that's what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to, like, show people that, one, there's more to life than just being on your cell phone. There's all kinds of things. And why not go on a journey with me and my friends and all the crazy stuff that we like to do, and I can show you how much fun that is. And that's why, like, I love, like, being able to kindle a friendship and work with you because I know you're passionate about stuff like that, about keeping the Second Amendment strong, going out and enjoying, like you were talking, shooting with your kids and hunting and we're losing that, and I don't want that to happen. Like, that's such a part of me growing up, being able to, even though I didn't do a whole lot of it, that's things that I remember and will remember for the rest of my life, little things that I got to go out and do with my father, little things like that that help influence me to where I am and the man that I've become today. So that's the whole mission and the motto behind Monster Arms. It's showing people, Get outside, have fun, enjoy the outdoors, whether it's fishing, hunting, shooting, cars, like it's all that. It's a lifestyle, and it's just, it's blowing up very well and a lot more than I thought it would take off how fast it has gone, whether it's just being that the following that I have through my other business and stuff like that with my job and whatnot, or that people are realizing how important this actually is, that this movement that if it doesn't happen, there's chance that it's, people are going to lose this opportunity and, and things in life. Uh, other people are going to take this away from them, and you're not going to be able to go out and do things with your family like I grew up doing, like you're growing up, you grew up doing, and you're doing with your families now. So I'm trying to protect that. Well, that sounds awesome. You know, it, it's what's become clear the last year or two is – you know, we need so much support with the Second Amendment, but, you know, you being able to voice your First Amendment right and, you know, your views, that's what it seems like is really being attacked now because when you talked about, well, even Monster Arms, that'll be a social media thing or people being on their phone. When we have Instagram and we have YouTube and Facebook, you know, basically selecting material to delete, which is a lot of Second Amendment stuff, like I almost think we were scammed. It's like, they pretended it's all about the Second Amendment, but what they want to do is restrict your First Amendment right. Exactly. Let's go. Feel like they do that always. It's the old bait and switch. They they light oh, a yeah. here for you to look at, and then when you're looking at the fire, they they tear your barn down. Yeah. Well, you know, even I mean, it, it's now it's like okay, let's say you and I are family members. You're Braun Strowman. You make a shitload of money from WWE. You're paying my rent for 10 years because I'm your pathetic younger brother. And you decide, hey, you know what? You can get a job, too. I'm cutting you off. And I say, you asshole. You know, and what do I do? I call the police, and I'm like, Adam is crazy. He's talking about shooting something up or killing himself. You need to go take his guns right now. So now, not only your First and Second Amendments are screwed, but now you don't even get due process. Um, Yeah. So it's pretty scary. Like, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but there's a lot of stuff going on that doesn't make sense. Because I kind of believe we're going to have evil in the world, and it's our job as is, is decent men to weed that out. Um, well, that's, it's that what's the line out of, uh, out of American Sniper that they use? There's three types of people in this world, sheets, wolves, and sheepdogs. And it's true. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's it's yeah. So, so true. It really is true. Yeah, I mean it's it's bad, and people want to think, oh, well, we're gonna we're gonna ban guns because we have these crazy kids that are on antidepressants that go and shoot up their schools. You know, it's a really big country. I'm not sure we have a lot more of that than the rest of the world. Maybe we do. You know, but but you know, things that are interesting with all that is, you know, somebody, you know, you talked about the truck driver fell asleep 
and you know hit hit you and your parents and you know how many times a day is there a drunk driver that hits someone and kills them or disables them or yeah, causes yeah. them more people die from vehicles than anything in the United States and 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 when do you ever hear anyone wanting to ban cars you know it's not a partisan issue yeah. so no one gives a shit about it. or like with children People, kids are not dying because of school shootings. You know, kids die from a lot of other things. But, you know, like, yeah, like, like, the, like or, or, or like we were talking about the food that, that, yeah, McDonald's is allowed to sell families. Like, why, why, yeah. why, why a healthy salad costs $8, but a mechanically separated chicken patty sandwich costs a buck? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so, oh, oh, so I, I guarantee, I guarantee McDonald's has, and I don't even like this is even even not a good analogy, but McDonald's has killed more children than school shootings <laughs> ever. Yeah, oh, well, and it, no it, doubt. It's sad to, to, to use that as an analogy and like even joke about it, but it's it's so effing true that it's it blows my mind that people are so blind and they just they're sheep. I don't know how else to say it. They're sheep, and they're, they're following the leader of what Joe Blow says is right. And, you know, oh, 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 Joe Blow says it's right. Okay, yeah, it's right. Instead of thinking for themselves, like, God, it's so sad. Yeah, it is sad. Well, overall, um, you know, it's been wonderful meeting you, getting to know you. Um, I'm so happy for your success. And, um, you know, I just hope it continues, and I hope you stay healthy. And I'm so happy for all of these experiences you get to have. And I look forward to hunting with you and, you know, shooting with you. And, um, man, you know, thanks for the work that you're that you're voluntarily wanting to do with Monster Arms and helping to educate people, given that you've got a big audience. It's important, you know. Um, younger people who are watching wrestling who can – um, you know, become fans of yours and, and, and see the, the positive experiences you've had with the outdoors and firearms. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really appreciative for everything, and it's great talking to you, and I, I just wish you the best. Uh, thank you so much, Kevin. That's what I mean, and the exact same for you. Like, uh, I wish you the best in everything that you got going on because you're – you're kicking doors in, man, and you're you're not afraid to t- tell the world that you are, and I love that. Like I love <laughs> the yeah. reach, grabbing the brass ring. It's like, yeah, you don't give a shit. You're gonna go out there and you're gonna do it how you want to do it, and you're gonna live your life your way. And so many people need to take a step back and realize that they have the opportunity to do that. We're all we're all created equal. Everybody. We're all born yeah. the exact same way, and we're all going to die the exact same way. I mean, yeah, theory yeah. speaking, it's just making something. It's it's telling your story in between. The beginning and the end of all of our stories is already written. It's what you put in the middle of your book. Oh, well, that's profound. I appreciate it. Yeah, what I would say is get these hands. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I want to um, – yeah, I mean, I like kicking ass. I like being competitive. I like, um, y- you know, trying to spark people being competitive with me. Um, y- you know, I've been very fortunate, but, you know, anybody that that knows me beyond the surface, it's my daily quality of life, my family, being innovative, just keeping our work exciting so I can keep you know, I got so many brilliant people here at Q and keeping them engaged and believing in the process. And I'm a shitty manager and, you know, I'm an okay business guy. And, uh, but you know, I'm a good leader and, um, you know, it's something I was blessed with and, uh, it doesn't rub everybody the right way, but you know, I don't want everyone as a customer. I don't want everyone as an employee. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the kind words when I hear them from people like you or people who have done exceptional things. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And hopefully we can keep serving everybody by innovating and producing great stuff that creates a demand and a buzz, you know, to where I continue to get to meet people like yourself or, you know, guys that aren't celebrities. We had a, we had a great couple show up last week for a guy to build a gun. And, you know, I imagine that's going to be a friendship for a long time and that's exciting. 
I think it's so awesome that you're doing that. Like, no one else in the industry, even remotely, is offering anything like that. You know, it's so funny. It's turned into the best marketing we could have done. And the genuine, honest-to-God truth was I did it originally to get some people to donate to the Special Operations Care Fund, which I love and support. And so it started as a charitable cause. You know, what you find, you probably see this, too. The more good you do, you know, the more good comes to you. And, exactly. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's so – it really, really is true. And that's what that was my talk. Like, just saying a kind gesture to someone or, you know, just yeah. little things, how far they go in life and it's things like that. And it's like why I go out of my way to try and do that because I have fans that go out of their way and, like, make signs and do this and that and come to meet me at – wherever and paid X amount of dollars to get to meet me. And it's just like, I have an opportunity to in, uh, to influence this person's life, but especially these kids that are over the moon want to meet me. And I hate the saying, never meet your heroes. Because I've met a couple people that I looked up to when I was a kid and they sucked. I don't ever want to be that. I don't think anyone, yeah. I think everyone should leave a lasting impression. Yeah, you can't make everyone happy. Like just like you're saying, you don't want everybody as a customer or employee. You can't make everybody happy because some people just don't want to be happy. I've figured that out in life. But to go and to be able to touch someone's life here or there and a little bit in between, you're exactly right. It comes back tenfold. Yeah, I mean it does. I'm the prime example of that. And like I, I just a lot of people off and within our little industry but um you know i'm real happy with who i am overall and i make mistakes every day and you know even these podcasts like i get a lot of good comments about them i get some shitty ones and it's like well okay i was drinking too much the first six <laughs> you know i was an idiot i'm trying to limit that now um and i try to go into it and, and it's kind of unprofessional without unprofessional but with not a huge agenda it's like i want to i want to talk and tell some backstories and um talk about some things we've done and why we why we do them the way we do and correlate that with the people that i'm talking to and you know it's so great hearing your story and you know like you seeing growing up with a dad who was one of the best in the world at something and that makes a big impact you know on you growing up and your sister growing up and knowing you can do whatever the hell you want to do. You know, if you want to be the strongest man in the world, you can do that. You want to go and be, uh, you know, WWE superstar, be on TV, kicking people in the face every week. You can do that. Um, yep. And those are wonderful stories that inspire people. And and that part is the interesting part of fame and success to me, not not the other things. Like, you know, I don't imagine you and I ever getting into a race of who can get the biggest house. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that definitely. I I have never been caught up and gave a damn about that. And anybody that does is just shallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've made plenty of got a roof. You got a roof to keep the rain off your back, and air conditioning to keep you from sweating, and, a, and some food in the refrigerator. You got everything you need in life. That's right, man. Well, man, thank you so much for the time. I know how busy you are and how precious you know your time is when you're at home. And uh, please tell Travis hello. Give him a hug for me. You guys kill some pigs. Send me some pictures, please. Yes, sir. All yeah, right. I mean, it was well, all to speak with you. I'm honored that you would have me on your podcast, and uh, I look forward to doing it again. And yeah, getting out and enjoying uh, our Second Amendment rights and, and Mother Nature. That's right, buddy. Well, if I don't see you Fourth of July, I'll see you soon. And uh, stay healthy and safe. And I appreciate everything. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for everything. It was great talking to you. All right, buddy. Goodbye. Have a good one.